There's a reason many professional riders are such big fans of Neutrina's Pro Force feeds. Winners align themselves with winners, and they know choosing high-quality nutrition is one of the biggest ways to give their horses a leg up in the arena. ProForce is the only feed on the market with rebound technology that helps your horse recover faster so you can keep winning. All ProForce products also include marine source calcite to support gastric health and help maintain a normal stomach pH. Visit NutrinaWorld.com for more information. Fuel the win with ProForce. I am. I am. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I am a young. I am. And I am a young black. A young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs> hey, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your host, Ariana Johnson. I am happy to bring you this episode today. You want to know why? Because it is today we're going to talk about something that I believe is going to, you know, change the opportunity and culture of representation for Black people, not only in the horse world, but in Hollywood. Now, girl, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the movie, The Harder They Fall. I recorded this episode earlier this week. And then yesterday, which was Friday, I listened in on a, what we call Twitter spaces. If you are familiar with Clubhouse, it's like an opportunity to enter a room, but it's only audio. You don't see anyone. Why was I in this room? Well, it's a it, the room was titled like The Harder They Fall Live Chat, but Regina King, Jay-Z, and the director and writer of the movie were there. And so I was like, wow, this is a perfect opportunity, all pun intended, straight from the horse's mouth to answer some of the questions that I had in my initial episode. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that movie today and honestly about, you know, the, the progression or the, the current kind of trend on cowboys in Hollywood. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to do my best to talk about it without actually talking about it, right? I'm not, I'm going to do my best not to deliver any spoilers I absolutely won't deliver like the plot twist okay but this may give you some some insight because I honestly plan on watching it again I'll probably watch it at least twice because now that I listened in on what it is that they were trying to achieve I can look at it through a different lens a more informed lens and with more appreciation for the work that they put into this movie. And so if you haven't seen the trailer, 
Uh, I will put a link to it in the show notes and in the uh, caption of this video, but it's basically about cowboy busted from, you know, jail and then like it's two cowboy gangs and they're going against each other but we'll see who prevails at the end brief synopsis a lot of shoot them up bang bang um so if you don't like gore and if you don't like seeing blood on screen this might not be the movie for you because it's there i honestly in in the first five minutes i had to look to see if this was a steven spielberg movie because the blood was just like, and I was like, oh, that's how we're going to move in this movie. Noted and prepared. <laughs> so if you don't like blood and gore, you know, either keep your eyes closed in those parts or uh, maybe just, just listen to the movie. I don't know. But in watching this movie, I feel like, I mean, we heard about it, what, a year ago? And that was one of the things that Jay-Z was saying in the, the Twitter spaces yesterday. He was saying how it was such an amazing um, feat to be able to record uh, and, and shoot a movie like this, literally in the height of the shutdown. He said the day before recording this movie, uh, you know, the country shut down. That was early March of last year, 2020. So he was sharing how, you know, they came together with Netflix. It skyrocketed the budget for the movie because they had to introduce all of these COVID protocols that, you know, brought the cost up. You know, you had to take tests and had to have screenings and had to be this far apart and had to change how things were were shot. And I think that is incredible. You know, I'm not going to pretend like the people behind the movie weren't already, you know, in Hollywood. Like if Jay-Z says, how are we going to keep going? You're probably just going to keep going, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to pretend like they, they had, you know, no barriers or anything like that. But it's nice to see, you know, or, or to learn about how they were still able to navigate it because it was a reality for them. And they still decided to pursue this project despite everything else that was going on. So uh, the director of the movie, his name is James Samuel, Samuels, and he was really, really, really talking about, you know, the history of the black cowboy in the American West. You know, one in four cowboys being a cowboy of color or specifically a black cowboy. Um, he made an incredible point when talking about how when we watch Westerns, you know, the, the um, Tonto and, and John Wayne and um, what is it? It was another, um, like a ranch. I can't remember. My family watches a ton of Westerns. But when we watch those Westerns, we see this construct from 
from Hollywood that that makes us think that you know this was this was so old this was so back in the day you know if you were to ask someone honestly think let me ask you this think about this when you're watching a western what time period do you think it's set in what year ask yourself this what year do I feel like you know John Wayne was out there doing his thing Think about that, keep that number in mind. The next thing I want you to know is that Bill Pickett, who is a character in this movie, I had to look up this information because I just wanted to be sure because I had to, I had to feel it. But Bill Pickett passed away two years before my grandfather was born. I'll say that again. Bill Pickett passed away in 1932, two years before my grandfather was born. So we're really not that removed from this generation, from this, this foundational character piece of Black Hellboy land in history. Like these things didn't happen in 1700s, 1800. This was 1900. You know, this is the late 1800s, 1900s, that this happened. This is our great grandparents in their arena, in their time period. So stuff like this is not that old. And, you know, the way that Hollywood has constructed um, what it is that we see, and we all know, you know, when people put like black and white or sepia filters over photos, it makes it seem incredibly old. They've done that with Martin Luther King pictures. They do that with Malcolm X pictures to make us think that subconsciously think like, wow, this happened so long ago when truly it did not. These, these pictures, the originals were in color. And so it's kind of that, that um, Another way, you know, cinematically, that people have changed the narrative, that that the movie industry has changed the narrative or influenced the narrative of the West and how cowboys were shown and uh, represented during that time. Now, producer director uh james samuel last night in the or yesterday evening in the twitter spaces also said that he had no desire to make a black cowboy movie he was making a western and the reality is that there were black cowboys and that there were black western towns that were self-sufficient and and working to thrive on their own now, he said that it, it shouldn't be that dichotomy. It shouldn't be like, this is the reality and this is the Black version because it's not true. Both happen at the same time. But what was actually shown in the media, you know, before now, that is what has been controlled right? Like these two realities happened at the same time and they didn't happen that long ago. 
And so when we look at, you know, how the, the things that we consume and the opinions that we make on how how we show up in the media and how we represent ourselves going forward, we have to understand that there is, it's not, you know, reality. It's not, this is how it is for, um, it's not the, the horse industry. And then, you know, the black horse industry. It's not always like that. There are going to be, they, they exist at the same time. And there are going to be differences in the experience, but that doesn't change the existence. It's not like the black version of anything. We're not living the black version of this industry, of this lifestyle. We're just simply living it. And so I wanted to um, also talk about first, when you watch the movie, like the movie's great. The movie, the movie's truly great. But after a while, maybe like 10 minutes in, you are significantly, if you're anything like me, you are going to notice the use of music in this movie. And it is wild. It's wild to see or to hear how the music truly influences the scene. And James Samuel, the 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 um the writer of the of the screenplay, the director, he talks about you know he wrote a lot of those songs, and he said in the the Twitter Spaces yesterday he said that you know when he went to Jamaica, I think he said like in the eighties or something like that the Jamaicans were dressed as cowboys because that was like the only thing that was really on TV during that time or, you know, what they could get. And so he said that um, there's like a, a Jamaican-esque um, uh, song kind of in the beginning that, you know, growing up for him, every time he heard it, he heard hoofy. You know, he said he grew up obsessed with Westerns. He absolutely loved them. And he, he actually wrote this movie 10 years ago. But he said that, um, you know, when he hears it, um, he hears, he hears uh, hoofbeats. And he said that it's crazy for us to not think that there is some sort of like cross inspiration between you know Caribbean music and some of the music that was coming through TV from these westerns he also made a very good point that I never thought about that the music that we hear in westerns they didn't have that music back then they didn't have the uh Dun, 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 dun. Tonto. Like, they didn't have that. When you see a Western and the cowboys are like racing across the plains, the, um, the music that normally goes with that, I'm not trying to sing on this podcast to y'all, but you know what I'm talking about. They, that wasn't cowboy music. That wasn't Western music. That was the music that Hollywood constructed to represent that time period. 
And so they um, used a lot of inference from that to say, you know, okay, we want to cinematically choose like a musical experience that many black people will relate. He talked about how when you are going to a house party and you're trying to find a party and you're looking around and maybe you didn't have the exact address, but you know, it's at Kiki's house that you tend to listen for the music. And the high, the closer that you get, you hear the boo, 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 boo. Closer you get, the more you hear of the music. And so he said he utilized, you know, a lot of those kinds of experiences in how he constructed the, the soundtrack and the use of the music in the movie. Now, I said it already, but I'm gonna say it again. The music in this movie was fantastic. Absolutely. Like I would, I need the playlist. I need a soundtrack. And I could listen to this every day. Absolutely. But the use of it was so incredible that I feel like if, if we had the movie without the music, it wouldn't, would not have made nearly as a uh, impact as it did. All right, so that is my, oh no, wait. Oh, there was one more thing that I wanted to bring up. The, the characters. So we had Regina King. We had Jonathan Majors. We had, um, what's his name? Lakeith Stanfield. And obviously Idris Elba. We had some other people that were pretty famous in here too. And they were characters that may not have all run together. You know, we don't know that stagecoach Mary and Bill Pickett were running in the same circles. You know, I haven't seen much history on that, but I would love to, right? But it was interesting to, to see some of these um, representations of these characters and personalities that come with them. Because, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that we talk about, you know, some of these characters, Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves was there. He was also in the movie. <laughs> uh, Tom Bass, Bill Pickett. Um, you know, we talk about those. We, we have talked about those people and historically, you know, how they show up in literature, how they show up in TV, how they show up um, in movies and things like that. But I think that we do a disservice if we expect there not to be any sort of kind of embellishment or that is going to be 100% historically accurate. You know, there's been a lot of conversation about Zazie Beats being the character that was Stagecoach Mary and how that is not historically accurate. But we also have to ask, you know, is the entire story historically accurate? You know, Nat Love was in there too. 
Yes, one of the main characters. Forgot that guy. But um, as we are, you know, entering the the realm where apparently Idris Elba is going to be the James Bond of the Black Cowboy movies because my God, <laughs> Concrete Cowboys, the harder they fall. I mean, the man will will play a role on a horse. You know what I'm saying? How do we kind of how do we manage that expectation to show up historically to tell the true history while also understanding that it is cinema and it is art and it is embellishment and it is you know exaggerating what may have truly occurred how do we manage that let's talk about that more after a word from our sponsors Nutrina presents an uncompromising approach to superior nutrition. Nutrient-dense Empower products are scientifically designed for low feeding rates. Empower Boost provides an added energy in the form of high fat to help your horses work harder, train longer, and perform better. Digestive balance supports overall gastrointestinal health and helps maintain normal gastric pH to keep them feeling their best. Empower Top Line Balance focuses on top line health and improvement and now includes chromium to support insulin resistant horses. For more information on Empower products, visit NutrinaWorld.com. All right, so let's get into it. I truly want to know what you guys think and you can leave a comment um, under this video or shoot us a message on any of our social medias. But what do you think about the where the responsibility lies for representation in media in Hollywood? Because in both of the you know the key movies that have come out recently, Concrete Cowboy and The Harder They Fall, um, there have been you know questions about the the complete accuracy of the story and um, how everything was portrayed, right? So where do you think the responsibility lies in having more of a representation for people of color, for Black people in Hollywood? Does it lie on the kind of the industry to say or to seek out and to to really um, put funding towards these projects that are led by Black people? Or is it the responsibility of Black people to continue to show up and to produce projects like this? There, I don't think there is a right answer, uh, personally, but I'm just interested to see what your thoughts are on a subject like this. Um, it doesn't even have to really be specific to media because as you know, and as we've talked about before on this podcast, you know, really um, trying to discuss with people on these different diversity platforms, diversity committees, diversity uh, groups and saying, you know, this is what we're doing to make our space more inclusive and more inviting versus this is what I'm doing to, um, to continue on in this industry 
and represent for people who look like me, right? Both are happening, but it's interesting to see where the, the responsibility seems to lie because I feel like a lot of times people, people don't want that responsibility. You know, people, I still see to this day, still see, well, I don't have, I'm, I'm trying to grow the diversity in my program, but they're not showing up. And it's kind of hard to continue to say the same thing over and over and over again. Like if you don't even know any black people in real life, how do you all, all of a sudden think that they're just gonna show up in your barn? Like you don't even know them in real life. Like what? It's wild. It's wild how that happens. <laughs> so I'm just trying to see, you know, and have a little bit of a conversation about where do we feel like that responsibility lies for representation. Um, got an email not too long ago asking or say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna discuss some updates on what you have done to uh, increase diversity in the industry. And I really had to think to myself, is that the best conversation? Is that maybe that's just the the first question in the conversation, right? It's likely going to, you know, allude to more questions or, you know, hopefully, you know, the conversation will go in that direction because I don't feel like it is the responsibility of the marginalized to make a space more inclusive. That is my personal opinion. And so I truly, you know, when I'm looking at things like these movies um, and, you know, the, the criticism that comes from that, it's like, is it fair to us to say, is it fair to them to say, okay, you need to show the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, but still produce an amazing story. You know, sometimes these people's lives, they weren't necessarily, they weren't, nobody's living their life for cinema. Nobody has a, a, a storyline that is like building up, building up, climax, and then conclusion. Like that is not how we live our daily lives. So I feel like it's really important to give these creators the space to shine light on a lot of, of the, the historical context and aspects of a certain demographic, a certain type of people, a time period, while also giving them the, the freedom to be creative. You know, nothing was like a blatant lie, you know, but key examples, as he beats as stagecoach Mary. We know that they didn't look alike, right? But did um, Jonathan Majors look like Nat Love? We all know that for sure. Did stagecoach Mary run multiple bars? I don't really remember that in her story. Did they all interact? I don't remember being told that either. So it's like, you know, 
we do get to, to pick and choose what we are super critical on. And when it comes to conversations on like colorism and the, the representation of women in Hollywood, that's where that conversation really comes into play. And so I didn't hear any of that really in the Twitter spaces that happened yesterday, but that's more of the, you know, the lane that we are more critical on when it comes to that character specifically for that movie. But we didn't, you know, we didn't really see anything like that in say Concrete Cowboys, you know, because we don't, we didn't know those characters. Those characters weren't a part of a, a common history for everyone. Those characters didn't have a, um, they weren't really based off of real life people specifically. They were, they were a reimagination of real life people. And so, you know, that, that brings me to question where, where does the, the responsibility of of accuracy connect with the, um, the opportunity to be creative and to, to craft a story that will captivate people and that will make them even look into like, wow, Matt Love, let me look him up. Let me like, is this real? Is this a true thing? And does this just simply open the doors for more projects like this to be funded? You know, what's that about? I've seen so many people who were, you know, stunt riders and, you know, consultants and were, you know, brought in onto this project to really help shed some light on it and help with the delivery of it. But the, the director, Jesse Samuels, talks about how a lot of times in Westerns, the women are seen as subservient or, you know, they, they don't have a piece of the story without the relation to a man. And he really wanted to hone in on the fact that these women in this, this movie were their own people. They were their own people and they, weren't subservient to anyone. Um, Regina King, you see her character? She is a boss, okay, a boss. And she makes it very clear that she don't work for nobody, right? But there is a fight scene between Regina King and stagecoach Mary. And he talks about how, you know, while all the men are shooting and shoot them up, bang, bang, the women are throwing their guns down and fist to face they are fighting it out and they are uh brawling truly brawling <laughs> and so he just wanted to to craft a scene where the women they they are showing you know that they are not on the sidelines of this story they are not you know accessories to this narrative they are in out here in the trenches with the boys and they're going at it just as much, you know, they're getting hit in the face too. They getting knocked out too, you know, they ain't captured and things. So I, I really appreciate how he kind of approached the, 
the role of women in this movie um, and how they could be seen just as powerful, just as an important piece of the narrative. Um, just like the men, just like the men. If the women were not there, the story would not have been the same. They were not accessories to the, the story at all. So needless to say, I think that there is a fantastic combination of, you know, historical reference and creative kind of reimagination of the American West and how, you know, in a story, the way that only Black people can tell a story about other Black people. Um, I think that there is a significant opportunity and appreciation that should be given for stories of us by us, which is another reason why we are here on this podcast, right? But I did want to bring up some of the characters that we may not have um, even recognized or captured the names of because at first, you know, I, I, I picked up the names of the people who I knew already, but some of them I was like, who the heck is that? And is this a is this a random character or is this like crafted after a real person? It turns out that they were all crafted around real people, but a lot of times there's not a lot of history or the recollection of that person is from someone else who it just might not be significantly accurate. So Rufus Buck, uh, who is the main character, who is Idris Elba, was actually real. All of them were real, but he was real. He had the Rufus Buck gang, and they did exactly what they did in the movie. Uh, rob banks and kill people, and um, they themselves were were also executed. Uh, Nat Love, we all know that he exists, but there is also an autobiography by him called "The Life and Adventures of Nat Love." Uh, you can check that out. And Jonathan Major says that he read that book several times just so that he could really embody the essence of that man. And um, if you read that, let me know how you like it. Um, it's something that I am going to look at, you know, grabbing and, and reading um, very soon. Trudy Smith, who was played by Regina King, she was also a real person, but there's not that much information about her. Um, Cherokee Bill, real person. Um, and it's amazing because these people, a lot of them, you know, died really young, but some of them, you know, lived out significantly long lives. I mean, if you get to be 60 years old back in that time, you lived a very long life, right? But it's because they got out of the game, you know? Um, who was it? I can't remember if it, it wasn't Cherokee Bill because uh, he passed away at a young age, but um, it was one of the characters. They said that he, you know, he got out of the game. He, he stopped, he became a security guard and like worked on a railroad and did that until he passed. Those are some of the things that we don't hear much about. We hear the the fantasizing of their, their cowboy lifestyles. But again, like I said before, these things didn't happen that long ago. They also continued on to live some, you know, quote unquote, regular lives that weren't fantasized as, you know, these 
in crazy cowboy, you know, scenarios that wasn't their entire life. Bass Reeves, he existed. We know that he's known for capturing so many outlaws without even, you know, being injured himself. Uh, Wiley Esco, he was a real person, but he was a, a Black U.S. Marshal, and we have almost no information about him. And so those are the stories that are like, okay, you know, although we want to include this person and craft a reality around that, we just don't have enough information. So, you know, we put the, the onus of, oh, this, the only movies that need to be produced are the ones that are completely historically accurate. We don't have that ability sometimes. And still want to include these characters. Uh, James Beckwith, Beckworth, he, um, oh, I think he's the one that, that became a security guard, but he also wrote an auto, autobiography, The Life and Adventures of James Beckworth, but he went on to, to be a security guard and, and work on a, a railroad until he passed, so I think it's one of the great things movies like this does, and Concrete Cowboys did too, is give the world a glimpse into who these people might have been and even just brings their their image to the forefront and, uh, and introduces people to their concept and lets people do their own research encourages people to do their own further research into who they are as people what they stand for and the impact that they've made on not only the horse world but the world in general so that is my kind of first take on where we are sitting, cowboys in Hollywood and the harder they fall and really looking at where we are placing the responsibility of representation and accuracy while also, you know, as a fellow creative, you know, allowing people to flex on that, that cinematic and, and, kind of grandiose representation of this kind of lifestyle so let me know what you think about the movie let me know your initial thoughts let me know of your thoughts after listening to this episode I know that I'm gonna watch it again and I encourage you guys to do the same because we always want to support movies that represent the lifestyle that we love and that we are passionate about and that we uh, want to continue to bring other people in. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you are watching on YouTube and be sure to share this episode with a friend. And until next week, you guys have a fantastic week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. Head over to our Facebook or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought about that episode. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and have the opportunity to be featured in our next episode. See you next week.